Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, 104.5 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 104.5thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. And here we go. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. My producer behind the glass spinning the dials radio style for me is Ryan A. Mudd. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. That's 737-1045. There was no Monday Night Titans this week because it was Monday Night Football starring the Tennessee Titans. And I say starring because they were clearly the Tom Cruise, clearly the Brad Pitt, clearly the Dwayne The Rock Johnson of that night, despite the fact that Big D is quote-unquote America's team and drives ratings and people care about everything that the Dallas Cowboys did. But the Tennessee Titans, after one of the worst first-quarter performances in recent memory, not just for them but for anybody, got themselves up off the mat and beat down the Dallas Cowboys on the road. And I said the last time I was on this radio show that they needed to go out there and prove me wrong because I believed that Dallas was going to win and I believed that that was the season. I said that to you on Friday on this show. It was the season. If they lost, it was a total wrap. There was nothing else left because they, if they lost there, the momentum was going to take them to a trouncing at the hands of the New England Patriots. Look, they may still lose on Sunday, but you feel like they're at least going to be more competitive because the trajectory matters. The feeling matters. Three and five stinks. It sounds like it stinks, especially with the New England Patriots being your next opponent. Four and four with the Patriots feels a little bit better. And when you then point to the fact that once you get past the Patriots, this schedule does get a lot easier. You just want to be moving in the right direction. When you were in London a couple of weeks ago and you played against the LA Chargers, you did not have Melvin Gordon to deal with. That team is not the same without him. But you weren't able to get that win. You took a risk and it didn't work going for two. You did not tie the game. And as a result, you lost that game. But you could have won it. But if you looked at the schedule at the beginning of the year, you had to think, all right, we should be able to beat up if you're a Titans fan at least. That's why I'm using we, pronouns, pal. You should be able to beat up on the AFC East and probably the NFC East. And then it comes down to how you play against the division. They're going to be tough. I'm, I'm By the AFC East, I'm saying without the Patriots. But if you look at the futility surrounding the rest of that division, the Dolphins in week one, we thought maybe they were good for a little while. They're not. 
That game Sunday was just hideous football game between the Dolphins and Jets. The Bills have a historically bad to the extent that it might be the worst offense I've ever seen. There's virtually no talent there. LaShawn McCoy, he's basically not even doing anything. How do I know that? Because one of my good friends sent me a trade offer a little while ago trying to get me to bite on LaShawn McCoy as part of a trade offer to try and get Jordan Howard from me. It might happen because of the other guy involved in that trade. But he tossed LaShawn McCoy in because he knows LaShawn McCoy's not really going to do anything but sit on my bench as a fantasy player. And then they have Benjamin, and that's basically it. So you think going in, all right, you should beat up on the AFC East. you got a rookie quarterback in Darnold that has the most interceptions in the league. He also has the most dropped interceptions in the league, if you can believe that. He has 14 interceptions on the year. He's not going to play this week because he's hurt. I still think he's going to be very good. I think Todd Bowles is not very good. He's going to be gone, and the Jets have made some seriously bad moves. But I think Darnold with the right coach, and that's what they need to find next time out, can still be very good in this league. I loved him in college, and I still do. But he has 14 interceptions on the the season, and he has six more that have been dropped, which is kind of incredible. So you got those three opponents on your schedule if you're the Titans. Those should be three wins, or you should at least be two and one. The problem was, and the reason why I couldn't pick you against the Dallas Cowboys, and the reason why I thought it was the season, is because you had already lost to those Buffalo Bills, and you had already lost to those Miami Dolphins. And I still think that you were probably going to beat the Jets, even though their defense is pretty good. But then you look at the NFC East, it's a joke. The Giants are awful. They have no quarterback. They do have Saquon Barkley. That scares you a little bit. They do have Odell. That scares you a little bit. The defense was a fire sale. Got rid of Snacks Harrison, of course. Got rid of Eli Apple. And then you've got them coming, and you should be able to win that game. You've got the Redskins who lost three starters to season-ending injuries on Sunday. Alex Smith, I still like him. I still think that there's talent there, but I don't think that that team is great. That's a winnable football game. I said everything else left on the schedule after New England was winnable. And that's not to say you couldn't beat the Patriots, but anybody that picks them to beat the Patriots, to me, you're just kidding yourself at that point. So you get to Dallas, and you just want to start playing better. You, you started to show signs after that debacle against the Ravens. You started to, to uh, do some things right against the Chargers. Then you get the bye week. So do they. They can run the ball. You haven't proven you can. They have a great defense, especially against the run. Your rush defense is giving up almost 50 yards more a game than the last two years when you were a top-five run defense in Tennessee. The secondary has been good at times, but has also given up some big plays. And I'm not just talking about Malcolm Butler, although certainly that stat that I tweeted out on Monday night saying that Malcolm Butler has been the nearest defender in coverage to six touchdowns this season in the NFL, which is second worst in the league with only one guy above him and that's Marcus Peters who had to apologize for his act on Sunday that led to the what turned out to pretty much be the game-breaking score for the Saints in the Rams first loss but you have to beat up on those teams because you're not playing great ones Philadelphia is one you probably shouldn't have gotten they're not great but Philadelphia is not the one in that division you would have expected to come in and win so maybe that's a good one and then of course you've got to win in division But you had to win this game, and you went out and you did. In the process, 
we saw the extremes. What did we see yesterday all over television? What have we heard on every radio station and every television commercial break for the last six months? Political ads. This candidate is great. This candidate is Mephistopheles. It's not that both of them could be good. I saw one political ad, and I can't remember who the candidate was, but I heard it, and I said, that is what we need more of. And it was that the guy that was currently in the office was an incumbent who had done a good job, and his opponent, rather than bury him, said, this man's been a good public servant, and he's been a good governor. But we need a great governor, and I believe I'm the one to be the great governor. That is so radically different to me than the vitriol and the hatred that gets spewed on both sides about each other as we polarized ourselves. And so we become a world of extremes, not just in politics, not just in Hollywood, not just in any facet of life, but in all of them. Sports is another example. Marcus Mariota, is he the guy or isn't he the guy, becomes the argument every single week. I've said from the beginning... It has not changed. I don't think that Marcus Mariota is the guy. However, I also told you he has the talent to win games that you don't think he's going to win and look great. And then at other times, he has the lack of consistency to lose games he should win and ones that you believe he's going to win. He's inconsistent, but he's got talent. But after Dallas, oh, he's the guy. And after Buffalo or after Baltimore, clearly not the guy. We jump to extremes and go to knee-jerk reactions. It's something I've talked about on this show before. It's something I'm sure I'll talk about on this show many times before we sign off for the final time when my Lord and Savior has said, okay, you've done this show for enough time. I have something else for you. So it's not going to go away. This is an argument. This is how people fill time on radio shows. I'm staying with my initial point, which is I don't think that he's the guy, but I also don't think he's a scrub. I think he's an average quarterback who at times can look better than average and at times can't. But you can't then excuse things like throwing behind and above Corey Davis by saying, well, that ball was in the right place. With all due respect, I disagree. And throwing into triple coverage down the field against that Tampa 2 and folks, if you missed 3HL's interview with Dave McGinnis earlier today where he spent an extended length of time with Mickey and Brent and just he breaks down football in a way that's just, it's a work of art. It's like watching Mozart compose when he tries to explain football to you. And he explained that to me and to JT behind the glass before he went into the studio and he explained that situation and he talked about what a great play it was and how they knew that that was a shot that was worth taking even though Corey Davis was open on the right side that ball had to be perfect it felt like it was about a 20% success rate to me but my eyes are nowhere near Dave McGinnis's but you can't excuse the bad and always look to the good there are shades of gray in every player shades of gray in every team the only thing that I said on Friday was prove me wrong Tennessee still have a season the next time I get behind a microphone and I will sit here and I will say, you proved me wrong. To Mike Vrabel, to Matt LaFleur, to Dean Pease, 
yes without question to Marcus Mariota, who played one of his better games of his pro career under the lights, to Corey Davis, who returned, to Deion Lewis, who's on fire, to guys like Jonu Smith and Cam Batson and Darius Jennings, to Kevin Byard, who made a heck of a play, to the Titans for getting up off the mat, answering the bell, and then coming back and punching Dallas in the mouth on the road in a must-win situation, not just for the Titans, but also for the Dallas Cowboys. Congratulations, guys. You proved me wrong. The Tennessee Titans still have a season. Are they going to win the Super Bowl? No. Do they have a shot at the playoffs? Yes. And we'll continue to talk about it that after the break. The telephone number is 615-737-1045. 737-1045. I see we got Joey in Portland. Hang on. We've got to take our first break. We'll come back. We'll also talk about Dez. We'll talk about Dak. We'll talk about Le'Veon. we got a lot to get to tonight. Jason Martin here on the Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. The one good thing about Atomic Blonde, the soundtrack. Old Dercomasar for you after the fire, bringing us back here on the Big Six. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045. Ryan Mudd with me, as always, doing a great job. I said I wanted to be proven wrong. I wanted the Titans to go win this game, a winnable game against a team that needs it just as badly as you do with the same record, and they went and they did it. And so I'm happy to be behind this microphone today and say, hey, there's still a reason to watch this football team, especially when I talk about the rest of this schedule, which I will here in just a moment. Sunday against the Patriots, you should fill that stadium. People should go out and support this team. The team doesn't need to come out and say that. I'm going to say that for them, though. They won the game. They're 4-4. Four and four. Here comes Tom Brady. If this thing is Foxborough South on Sunday, that's a shame. It may well be. But if it's me and I have the means or the resources, I would be there. And in fact, I plan to be there. 615-737-1045. Let's go to Joey in Portland first. Joey, how are you? I'm good, Jay Mart. How you doing, man? Good, man. Um, what I was going to say is, where has this screen, ba- gr- screen game been? And where did Janu come from? Come out of? I mean, where did that player? Because I watched him in college before I lost my vision. And when he was down uh, at, what was it, FIU he came out of? Uh, I believe that's right. I mean, he was down there, and the most memorable game I remember was Louisville in a horrific downpour, and they just threw the ball to him, and he was catching everything. And so I, where has he gone except for last night? And the second part, the thing I want to say is it was Lee against uh, Dean, that said that it was a public servant, not the other way around. And have a good night, Jay Mark. Okay, thank you. It was. You're right, it was. It was local. I wasn't sure it was local or not because it felt so different than everything else I had seen. So honestly, whether or not you like him or not, credit to Bill Lee for saying what he said about Carl D. Credit to not just going into the toilet on every single ad and making everyone out to be some kind of monster in black and white with ominous music underneath it. It's okay to say the guy that I'm competing against is good at what he does. I just think I'm better for the state 
better for the country, better for this area, better for the time period, whatever you may think that you're superior in. It's okay to be confident in yourself, but to also display a positive message to somebody else. I mean, you see that in sports all the time. I mean, yeah, there are slights in sports. Jalen Ramsey, of course, would be one that would be uh, in the muck with his political ads. But then there are guys that have mutual respect out there, even if they don't particularly like each other, and they don't bury each other in public. But I appreciate you clarifying that for me. Josh and McMinnville up next. Josh, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. So the question I wanted to pose to you was, you brought up Alex Smith earlier. I find a lot of similarities between Alex Smith and Mariota, given the offensive coordinators they've gone through and their career, you know, the uh, pretty much the situations of their careers. And at the end of the day, who do you think is going to want to be a better quarterback? Uh, well, I mean, we've seen a lot of Alex Smith. Alex Smith had the highest passer rating in the league last year. I don't know if you knew that. I've mentioned that on this show a couple of times in the past. I think it's a 104.9 or a 104.6. Higher than Brady, higher than Breeze, higher than Rodgers, higher than everybody. Andy Reid is an amazing offensive mind. There were so many weapons in Kansas City. That does not mean that Patrick Mahomes is not a generational talent. He absolutely is. But Alex Smith has been good throughout much of his career. He was better than people gave him credit for being in San Francisco. He was moved out because Kaepernick seemed like he was the future in their eyes. That did not turn out to be the case either. And then Alex Smith went and he won in Kansas City. Did he win in the playoffs? No, but nobody has in Kansas City, which scares you if you're a Chiefs fan, although this should be your best chance ever, even with a pretty bad defense. But I didn't think that Alex Smith going to Washington and the Redskins losing Kirk Cousins was going to be a gigantic drop-off for the Redskins. I think Kirk Cousins has been great in Minnesota. Not good, great. He has the two best route runners in football in Thielen and Diggs, but they've been very good. That has been worth the money. But I still don't think that if you took Kirk Cousins and put him on the Redskins with what they have, that he would be demonstrably better than what we've seen from Alex Smith. So if you're asking me who I think is the better football player, I think Alex Smith is better than Marcus Mariota because I've seen more from Alex Smith. Now, is the ceiling for Mariota higher? Maybe. Alex Smith's not a bad athlete. Marcus Mariota has the potential to be a game changer when it comes to an athlete at the quarterback position. We saw it in college. We've seen flashes of it at times in the NFL. What worries you most about Mariota is for him to be the quarterback that he was at Oregon and the guy that you expect him to be from an athletic standpoint He has to put his body at incredible risk on so much of a basis that you almost anticipate he's going to have a hard time playing a full season in his career. And it's not because he's frail. It's just because it's a very physical sport. That's the most common sense way to put it. Usher in Nashville is up next. Usher, what's up? What's going on? Thanks for taking my call, man. Yes, sir. Man, you know what I was saying? I'm a glass half full type of person. I was thinking like this. What would you have said or would you have thought I was drinking if I told you that the Titans were going to win against, you know, Philadelphia and Dallas and Jacksonville and Houston, which would give you a 2-0 two and, two and, uh, record in your division. Out of the first eight games, what would you, what would you think the record, their record would be winning those games? And then, you know, thinking about the losses that they took, man, it's, it's an up-and-down season, but I'm a glass-half uh, I'm glad to have full type of person, but thinking about the four victories that we had this year, 
I'm very optimistic about the second half of the season. Yeah, and look, I, I don't think that you necessarily shouldn't be. The only problem for the Tennessee Titans is they have a tendency, I've said this a couple of times on Monday Night Titans, that they have a tendency to punch up, and they also have a tendency to look terrible against bad teams. We saw that against Buffalo. Miami's hard to quantify because of everything surrounding that game at the time. Houston, I don't know how you pulled that off with all the injuries that the team had at that point. Jacksonville, we've determined, is not very good, and they've definitely not been good historically against the Titans. And that continues. Philadelphia's secondary can be had, but that's a game that that was an impressive win, no matter how you slice it. Buffalo's a terrible loss. Baltimore is proving out not to be very good. Their defense is elite, and that's what really beat you that day. They only scored 21 points against your defense, and they had short fields a lot of the day, and you barely even got past the 50 in that game and gave up 11 sacks to Marcus. But Joe Flacco, the questions are now being asked as to whether or not Lamar Jackson should be playing. And the answer, honestly, right now, might be yes. Because he's more ready to play than Josh Allen was. And what is Joe Flacco going to win for you? So the question that you asked, you won games that maybe you shouldn't have won, but you definitely lost games that you shouldn't have lost. And that's what's infuriating about this team is that they look like an 8-8 eight eight football team or 7-9 team because they have a tendency not to show up in games where they should win. They talked a lot. Taylor Lewan said Monday night, you know, dad has learned and they're not going to come out and talk anymore about getting respect. They're just going to play football. That's what we all said. If you want to talk, you better go to Buffalo and beat the brakes off the Bills. And you didn't, so now you shut up and play football. And it looks like that's what they're going to do. And here comes the daddy of all daddies in the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady coming to your house on Sunday. If you don't win, it's not going to be the end of the world because no one expects you to. But you don't want to get blown out and embarrassed because you are trending in the right direction. You are playing better football. The offense is starting to look a little bit better these last few games. LaFleur's game plan wasn't bad against the Chargers. It was very good against the Dallas Cowboys. You sustained multiple turnovers in the first quarter. Should have maybe been three, but it was two. And the Dallas Cowboys found a way to lose that game in the first quarter because they were unable to get into the end zone. And Dak Prescott made one of the worst decisions and one of the worst throws you will ever see a professional quarterback make from the six-yard line trying to force it into Amari Cooper because he's Amari Cooper and you just gave a first-round pick away from him. And you throw it off your back foot. That should have gone, if anywhere, if nobody was open, you don't throw to Amari Cooper unless Amari Cooper's standing 10 rows deep, way past the end zone. You've got to throw that thing out of bounds. Cowboys should have been up 13 to nothing, should have been up maybe 17 to nothing. Instead, it's 7 to 7 after the first quarter. It was amazing that the Titans were still in that game. And I think they figured that out, got up, and said, all right, we've got a second life here. Clean slate. And then they just flat out beat the Cowboys down after that point. And it was impressive. 615-737-1045. We'll look at the Titans schedule a little bit before we're done. I want to talk about Dak Prescott some more. The Cowboys problems. Des Bryant to the Saints. And Le'Veon Bell making himself irrelevant more and more day by day. We'll be right back. Big Six, 1045. I don't think Ryan knew he was doing this. 
Ryan Mudd, my producer. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. 615-737-1045. The music we're coming back with, part of the playlist that I, you know, give all the guys back there to use for my show. This song is by Cracker. It's off their self-titled first album, which came out in the early 90s. And the song is called I See the Light. And the Titans right now, there's light at the end of the tunnel now. As that song has in the lyrics. We also took a phone call during the break. He's not going to be on the air. But I just wanted to mention it. Back when I was the executive producer of Outkick the Coverage, and by the way, I'm going to be hosting that show all next week. And so you'll hear the 5 to 6 before the wake-up zone Monday through Friday next week. Um, When I was a producer there, we would get a call from a military member. I didn't know which service he was in. And he was always in an overseas country somewhere in Asia, and he could never give me the specifics for obvious reasons. But he would call up from time to time to say nice things to Clay or to me uh, just about things that were going on. And he would just talk to me in the booth. He never wanted to be put on the air. And he just called. And he talked to Ryan during the break, and he said, you know, I'm able to catch this show on the app sometimes, and I, I really appreciate this show. And I just wanted to give him a shout out and thank him for making that phone call from overseas just to uh, to say something kind. <clears throat> and I know which app he's using. Don't forget there is a 104.5 The Zone app out there for all of you that you can download and you can listen to you know everything live that you want. There's also links to all the podcasts, 104.5thezone.com slash podcast. You can get all the podcasts there. Of course, 104.5thezone.com slash big six is my page. Big Six blog is the blog where I put up my Big Six takeaways from Titans and Vols games, all my pop culture coverage. There has not been as much pop culture coverage lately, but we're about to get back onto that train. I've been a little under the weather for the last week or so. I'm trying to uh, give my voice as much as I can tonight. Hopefully it sounds better to you than it has to me at times through the headphones, but I appreciate everybody's support, not just to this show, but of everything we're doing around this station. This is the hardest working time of the year it's the easiest time to be on the air because there's so much to say but we're all just moving a mile you know 100 miles a minute right now everybody is just it's such a team atmosphere around here and we really appreciate it we obviously would have no shows we would have no blogs we would have none of the amenities that we have in this life not just you know without our own luck and our blessings but also without the audience and you guys are a tremendous blessing so thanks to the guy who always just says, hey, I'm overseas guy. Thanks to overseas guy. Really good to hear from him. The Titans, the remainder of their schedule. The Patriots, okay. So let's say they lose that one. And they're four and five. At Indianapolis. Andrew Luck's dangerous. You should beat them anyway. At Texans, you've already beaten them once. You already have a 2-0 and record in division, so that helps you. But the Texans have won six in a row. But they played my Denver Broncos on Sunday in Denver, and they can be had. The Jets are the Jets. The Jags are dysfunctional. At the Giants on December the 16th, New York might have given up by that point. Saquon might not even play in that game. Odell might not even play in that game. They might be looking for the number one pick, trying to outduel the Oakland Raiders. The Redskins, we'll see what their record is by the time we get to December the 22nd. My guess is that'll be a tough ball game, but you do get it at home. And then you finish up with the Colts at home. As a matter of fact, four of your last six games are at home, and the two road games are at Houston, which is the tougher of the two, and at the Giants, which, yeah, it's New York, but I don't think the Giants are any good, and I don't think you do either. The Titans could win nine games now. 
they could. I don't think that they're just going to go one loss down the stretch and go six and one. I think they're going to lose a couple. And again, they lost to the Bills. They lost to the Dolphins. They got killed by the Ravens. They lose games they shouldn't lose. So you look at a game like the Jets, and you're like, well, they should easily beat the Jets. The Titans should not easily beat anybody because they can easily lose as much as they can easily win. So we'll leave the Titans for right now. 615-737-1045 if you want to join us. But two guys where if you're looking at diminishing returns and an unstable market, you've got to start right here in the NFL. Thanks to James Conner, Le'Veon Bell has found a way to get this thing entirely wrong. What he's basically proven in his zero snaps this season isn't that the Steelers shouldn't pony up his asking price, but that very teams, very few teams should. Now, you only need one. But we've seen in recent years the running back position dominated outside of a very select few by later round or day two draft picks. There's still plenty of value in a high-drafted back, provided it's Todd Gurley. But outside of that, it's not a particularly great investment anymore. The Steelers are starting to round into form on offense. They're again a contender for the Super Bowl. Remember, I predicted before the season they'd be the representative of the AFC. I bailed on that a few weeks into the season, and I still don't think they're going to be. The defense is a problem. They'll be on the road most likely against either the Patriots or the Chiefs, and I think they should lose both of those games. But Le'Veon Bell's value has dropped precipitously because James Conner's good. The O-line mouthed off about Bell. His team doesn't look like it has his back. They're tired of his act. He was not up front with them. Said, hey, I'm with you guys. I'll be there. Wasn't and then did not communicate with any of them. And now if I'm Le'Veon... I absolutely don't return to the field this season. Why would I? I'm not going to be in Pittsburgh next year. All I can potentially do this year, now that I've already left $10 million on the table, is leave another four to five. But if you have the money to leave 10 on the table, you might as well go ahead and leave the other four to five. But then have a chance to be rested and fully healthy for whatever team it is that's going to pick me up in the offseason. At his age, at that position where longevity is a problem unlike any other in pro sports, now that he has played this out so wrong and made people realize he may have always been overvalued, he might as well shut it down now and plan for 2019. This has not worked out for him, but it's going to get far worse if he goes and plays a few games and rips his ACL. So I see him tweeting and tweeting in reverse right now, apparently, about people not understanding and it not, it not mattering. Whatever, dude. Don't play football for the rest of the year. It doesn't matter. James Conner is playing better than you did in his first eight games. And then there's the Cowboys. And I want to talk about Dak Prescott and Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones and maybe Des Bryant. So let's take a break and we'll come back and do that. Plus, I've got a stat about the four games this year with the fewest combined yards. Here's a hit. The Titans have played in one of them. We'll be right back. Final segment of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Hope your Wednesday has been good. This is the Big Six. We're great around here. I'm Jason Martin. On Twitter at jmartzone. 
615-737-1045. Or you can tweet me. Or you can call from overseas, which was very cool. So I want to talk about the Cowboys here. Dak Prescott in 2016, maybe the best rookie season we've ever seen, at least until Pat Mahomes, because I'm still counting this as a rookie year for him. Maybe others would not. But Dak had a world-class offensive line. He had Zeke Elliott, and he still had receiving weapons. Over the past two years, Prescott has gone from a redrafted, like if you were to redraft, he'd be a top-five draft pick to a guy that looks like he might have heisted that job over Tony Romo, who no doubt would have been better the past two years than Dak Prescott. Tony Romo didn't have to retire. He was almost forced to it, and then he decided, and he's become the greatest thing since sliced bread on television. Just fantastic. But there's no question in my mind he could go win football games in Dallas right now, today. Jerry Jones comes out and says after that performance on Monday, including the worst throw I've seen all season from an NFL quarterback, that interception that Bayard picked off, he says, hey, I'm going to extend Dak Prescott. That is pure lunacy, folks. And if this is what Dak Prescott is, and the coaching staff has to know that by this point, then paying the premium for Amari Cooper, which I I didn't dislike or despise that move like so many others, Because Amari Cooper, if he comes in and gets you five touchdowns in the season, those five touchdowns could be a couple of wins. And they didn't have anybody other than Cole Beasley that you even talk about. But it still doesn't make sense to give up a first-round draft pick if Dak Prescott is playing the way Dak Prescott has been playing. The problem in Dallas, though, is not on the field. And it really never has been. It's Jerry Jones' ego, which comes as no surprise to anybody with a pulse. Jason Garrett should have been gone before Dak Prescott was ever even drafted. You heard me. That's how far back this goes. Is Jason Garrett terrible? No. But is he worthy of being the Dallas Cowboys football coach? No. They need a rock star in that job. And they have not had one in a dozen years since Bill Parcells was at the helm. They need an alpha. Not a dinosaur alpha. Not a retread alpha. They need something truly fresh and something truly new. Something cutting edge, something where the offense can actually join 2018. And then you can figure out if Dak can run it or if you have to do something else. Lincoln Riley is the guy if you can get him. Now, whether you can get him, that might not be quite as easy. But what we're about to see is not just Lincoln Riley, but a lot of NFL teams are going to bounce head coaches for the flavor of the month trying to find the next McVay or the next Shanahan or the next Peterson. We're going to see a run on college coaches with high-octane offenses. A lot of these retread guys that we've gotten used to seeing just kind of move job to job in the NFL, they're not going to find work. John Harbaugh, if Baltimore does go with a fresh face, He'll find a job in about five seconds because he's a good coach who just needs a new home. But a lot of bad teams are going to hire guys that are not qualified and they're going to set their franchises back for a while. Because here's the thing about guys like Nick Saban or Dabo Swinney or Bill Belichick or Greg Popovich or Scotty Bowman or whoever it is that you want to put in this list. And now the Sean McVeighs of the world. Here's the thing. The reason so many teams are searching for clones of those guys 
is because they're so very rare. Teams are looking for the next McVeigh because they don't have a McVeigh and maybe have never even met one before. It's really easy to be a fan and say, go get somebody like this. The reason you want a guy like that is because it's a unicorn. Kevin Sumlin, Mark Richt, all these guys lost jobs because they could not beat Nick Saban. Les Miles, the thing I always ask when guys get canned in these situations, Les Miles lost his job because he could not beat Nick Saban. Mark Rick couldn't beat Nick Saban. Kevin Sumlin couldn't beat Nick Saban. But when guys get canned in the situations, the question that I always have is the same. Who exactly are you going to find that will? Nick Saban is somebody you want to beat because it's such an improbability to do in the first place. But that's not the case with Jason Garrett. This guy's just not very good. Never has been very good. And he has that job because he gets along with Jerry. And that means everything. What it really means is I'm going to succumb to Jerry Jones's will at every turn. Jerry Jones doesn't just want to be a star. He doesn't just want to be the star. He needs to be the star. Kevin Byard, when he danced and celebrated on that star, he was taunting a logo. The real star is Jerry Jones. His face should be on the side of that helmet. He's the Dallas star. He owns every mediocre season. He owns every failure because he would rather be a story than a champion. And Dallas is not going to be good until that changes. And it's highly possible it won't. They let Des Bryant go. So Des signs with the Saints today. Michael Thomas has 70 catches this season, which is crazy good on its own. But it's actually even better than it sounds. He's got 70 receptions on 79 targets. That is insanity from an efficiency standpoint. Insanity. He and Drew Brees have just been on a completely different level. But with how thin this team is at wide receiver, you enter Des Bryant. We know he's got skills. We also know he's got a diva attitude. However, this is a Saints team that knows it is at worst a top four Super Bowl favorite. Rams, Pats, Chiefs, Saints. If there's one place where Des Bryant can make a difference and does feel worth the risk, it is New Orleans, where the tight end position doesn't factor in much. You need a guy that can help move the chains at times. And if you give any space more to Michael Thomas, I don't even know what he could do. He's on pace for 140 catches this year, 70 already through eight games. But if you can keep the chains moving, that's the one thing you want to shore up. Alvin Kamara, who everyone except Butch Jones knows is a generational talent, that's not going to change. The league's not catching up to Alvin Kamara, folks, because what exactly are they going to catch up to? You don't catch up to speed, which is quite a line. You don't catch up to athleticism, elusiveness, versatility, power. 
you catch up to gimmicks. You don't catch up to, to, to talent. If you're Hideo Nomo, eventually the hitters are going to adjust to your release and your stance, and then they're going to start pegging you. If you're Tim Tebow or Johnny Manziel, it's gimmickry. But when you look at Pat Mahomes, you don't see a gimmick. You see a once-in-a-lifetime arm talent matched with an up-and-coming coordinator in Eric Bieniemy, who only adds to the genius that is Andy Reid on offense. The Saints are not a gimmick. They're an offensive juggernaut. If you can get them away from the Superdome in the playoffs, you can beat them. If you can't, I'll be taking New Orleans to get to Atlanta for the Super Bowl. So you entered Des Bryant to that mix. His career's on the decline, but there's an argument to be made that it was as much Dallas as it was Des. It could be a perfect fit. If he just plays football and avoids being Des Bryant other than on the field, he could be the piece that puts them over the top. There is a risk from a chemistry standpoint because this team is rolling. Now you're bringing a little potential poison into the mix. I originally didn't like this idea, but I've warmed up to it. Dez may be hoping for his second act. He's got a legit chance, a really good one, at winning a Super Bowl, and he goes from Dak Prescott throwing him the football to Drew Brees. Weeks ago, I said the Titans should not go get Dez. I still feel that way. This is not the right place, not the right time, not the right coach yet. But the Saints are Patriots-like in that if Dez is a problem, they can just shrug their shoulders and throw to Thomas, go to Kamara, run it with Ingram, find the Ted Ginns of the world. They don't need Dez as long as they stay healthy, even with them being thin. This is an insurance move. And as insurance usually works, it is there in case, not as a primary reason. My flat screen TV at home that I'm blessed enough to have, yeah, I got that protection plan. I've never used a protection plan before for anything, but I always get one. Because I know that if I didn't have it, my devices would short out three months in and I would be straight up Dunzo. Also, Dunzo us here in about 45 seconds. So before we get out the door, let's make you smarter. So the Rams had 483 yards on Sunday and the Saints had 487. That's not news. But how about the fewest combined yards in NFL games in 2018? The Buffalo Bills have played in three of the top four. 454 between the Bills and Bears. 450 between the Dolphins and Jets. 445 Bills and Texans. And in first place, you guessed it, Buffalo Bills and Tennessee Titans. 444 yards. Folks, there's an NFL, and then there's what the Rams, Chiefs, and Saints play. We'll see you soon.